0: One thing which I've noticed currently while studying all the uh, different aspects of the farmers' protests in India and other events which are happening worldwide is that when it comes to Sikhs as a community, we don't really seem so invested in the political spectrum, do we? It's almost like we're encouraging our kids to stay away from politics, even in Western countries. And then when laws and policies are made, which uh, marginalize us as a collective, that's when we start crying that we need political representation, but it should be there from day one. We should be encouraging our kids to become leaders rather than followers.
1: Uh, Well, interestingly enough, I was having the same conversation with my my brother, yeah? Yep. So I actually asked him uh, a very simple question that in the year 1947. Yes. Uh, Jannah, the leader of the Muslims. Yep. I believe he, he was Oxford educated. Yes. And the leader of the Hindus, or uh, we could say Nehru was also Oxford educated.
0: Yes, Oxford or Cambridge, one or the other.
1: Yeah. Okay. And uh, who was from our side?
0: <laughs> Master Tarasang
1: and uh, ha- has he got a college degree or maybe some kind of qualification or maybe just, just uh, an appearance of it was enough
0: well from what I understand I think he was a voluntary school teacher really who just got uh, put forward because he knew a few words of English but otherwise there was no substance to the man and that's based on contemporary observations
1: so okay so well, I've just given you an example that can be observed and verified by anybody, yeah? So from that time till today, we have failed to understand the importance of education. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> sorry. We have yes, failed to understand the importance of education and we have failed to uh, to be led by a leadership that's well-versed, that has got uh, a good head and I have got the leadership policies
0: mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at it like the question which uh, was asked on the Renaissance Facebook group as well that if Baba Nana comes back, let's look at uh, you know Herzl, for example, the founder, the father of Zionism. he was a many people describe him as a selfish individual, someone who was obsessed with his own uh, image all his life, chain smoker. He wasn't exactly uh, the epitome of uh, virtue in his life. This is, you know, Herzl. Then you look at Jinnah. Now Jinnah's born in a in the Muslim faith. He isn't exactly a Muslim, is he? He's a chain smoker. He uh, consumes pork. Uh, there was actually a book I was reading about Jinnah, and um, what it said was that uh, Jinnah once remarked to a British politician that, uh, as far as the question of Pakistan was concerned, he was willing to go the whole Hog to get Pakistan, and the politician had to remind him not to say that in front of Muslims because a hog is a, you know, a censored, forbidden in their religion. Anyhow, these individuals did something on a massive scale for their community. They they changed world history. As maybe their effect has been small, maybe it's been large, whatever. But they still still wrought, you know, some form of change in world history. You brought the world to the stage it is at today. But then when you look at the Sikh uh, Sikh side of things, now Guru Nanak will surely ask if he returns that, you know, I made Sikhs to be honest with themselves and their bodies. You were not to smoke, not to consume alcohol. You were to be honest with your physical selves, right? You were to be spiritually fit, physically fit, morally fit, mentally fit, psychologically fit, spiritually fit, I made you fit for everything from all aspects of life, and all aspects of life. Yet, when it came to the leadership question, you guys only looked at the kakars as symbols, you never looked at the fact whether there were any of the virtues associated with those kakars, beyond those kakars, and that caused your downfall.
1: Could you say that we are still stuck in a conundrum, or I could say, that we only, mm. only choose leaders who are of a religious background.
0: Well, I think so. I think so. I mean, if you look at it like religious, when when we come to religious background, we're actually, I mean, look at the leaders we try choosing. Either that leader has to be from a traditionalist uh, Samprada, either they have had to be uh, from a taxal a Dera, We are trying to choose leaders here who are actually uh, from, I guess, what we can call the
1: priestly class. So could we say that since we are a relatively new faith, we haven't graduated to a stage where we can have somebody who is socially a Sikh or somebody who is a religious Sikh?
0: From my perspective, what I believe is if you look at it, if someone is actually retaining the Sikh appearance, a Sikh is only a Sikh once they're initiated into the Khalsa. That's, that's my personal belief. Once they're into the Khalsa, they need to live by that code. But the fact is that the people around them need to be judging constantly whether they live by that code or not. I mean, gullibility and stupidity is not exactly a virtue in Sikhi, is it? <laughs> no, it's, it's nowhere. And if you see the fact that our leadership, I mean, for example, you, on the best of days, you wouldn't let seek C-leader pilot a plane, even if he was a qualified pilot.
1: Hmm. Well, yeah, I kind of agree with you there, yeah.
0: And then you're actually uh, letting them decide the fate of, what, 10 to 20 million people?
1: Well, man these are the mistakes we have made in the past and uh, I'd like to raise another point here yep. which is which is quite relevant to what's happening today that's the farmers protest yes do you personally know anybody from your family your extended family or your circle of friends and their families hmm. who's a civil, who is a civil servant
0: uh, yes I do Two?
1: I only know one. Yes. My point is yep, that our kids, the kids who are supposed to join the state as policymakers, have no interest in staying in India. They all are focused on going, on going overseas, yeah? Mm-hmm. So if none of you are joining Civil servants or becoming uh, IAS, IPS, and whatever. Who is going to enact policies in our favor?
0: That's a that's a strong point down there. That's a really strong point.
1: It's a very very simple point. I was actually uh, uh, deciding to go to the farmers protest, but I decided not to at the last moment. Yes. Because I thought, well, this is going to be uh, probably two days of mental torture for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Simply because I, I, because from my approach, I could simply say that you're looking at a symptom. You're not looking at the problem.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So no, no, no one's actually these, the problem so far.
1: Yeah. So if these bills have been passed today, How can we have arrived at this situation?
0: Another thing which uh, we were asked on the Renaissance was that how is it that just about every year in India, I mean, in developing countries in general, you always see these protests. It's come to a point where people are getting, uh, I guess, uh, used to them so much that they're just waiting for the next one. I mean, there is fundamentally nothing wrong in protesting peacefully but you need to understand that why are you protesting just about every time what is actually wrong that people need to take to the streets every so often how is it that in other countries you don't even have protests like that
1: well there's a very solid reason for it that's called uh, vote politics yeah yes so if we think that our community has got like, like let's say 20 million votes or something yes and we know that the state is in our, in our favor. So we can riot. Okay, I'll give you an example reservation. Yep. yep. So you could riot for reservation and the state will give it to you. It, okay. happened in, it happened in Rajasthan, it happened in Gujarat. Yep. So the state is now going to open fire on those people for obvious reasons. Yep. And uh, they got what they wanted. So in this, in this, uh, it's, it's almost a tragedy that writing works.
2: Hmm,
1: hmm, hmm. Yeah? Yes. Well, most of the time it works, yeah? Yep. So you simply say, okay, people are unhappy with the decision, or these are the demands of the people, and these demands must be met.
2: Hmm.
1: Uh, I don't know if you remember, there was uh, this uh, demand from the Gujar community in Rajasthan. Yeah. And they up and they uprooted entire railway tracks Mm, mm, mm. so this massive destruction of public property
2: Mm.
1: and uh, i don't think that there was uh, much backlash from the state and they say okay give it to them that's what they want Mm, mm, mm. so uh, uh, this is just one example there are many
0: I guess the big contradiction down here is that on one hand, I mean, and this is for the entire world, really. I mean, let's just make it Sikh-centric as well because we're focusing on Sikhs. We seem to have a habit of complaining we are being marginalized. You know, we are being pushed to the corner, confined to the corner, reduced to dire straits. But then, how often does a Sikh leader actually emerge—a Sikh political leader who, who the entire community backs? There's so much backbiting involved. Let me tell you, incident—a personal incident for the individual I knew. Um, now, he was a radio host as well. So a few years back, he was making all these uh, big statements about, you know, um, trying to get a new country in the works or whatever. And he was actually sitting there saying that, you know, we need a uh, we need people. Uh, Sikh people to uh, sort of set up systems at Gurdwaras to establish a sort of a private funding thing where, you know, Sikh children can be trained to become leaders for the future, political leaders for the future. Now, amazingly enough, what this individual, I guess, had was that uh, every time such a statement was uh, discussed or such an issue, such a concept was discussed and it was set up, he was the first one to start backbiting so no one else's kids could claim the benefits, but his kids would get the scholarship and he would just take the scholarship money and use it for some other purpose because, you know, when the state gives a scholarship or any governmental, uh, governmental institution, it has the authority to enforce the regulations around that scholarship. Uh-huh. But when you're saying that you're collecting money from the Gurdwara Golok to uh, give a sort of like a de facto ad hoc rudimentary scholarship to someone, you really don't have any authority to enforce it, do you? Even your contracts are legally speaking not acceptable because they are not done under any uh, law and regulation. The law is never uh, involved from day one. So ultimately, it's just, you know, a piece of paper retaining hollow signs which mean nothing to anyone and it's pretty easy to give out these statements but it's pretty damn hard, near impossible for our community to sort of walk that uh, path and uh, you know sort of make that education for future political leaders, I mean how are you going to identify future political leaders when every other uncle's going to be pushing his own kids forward
1: <laughs> Well uh, okay, I'd like to ask a question to you what's quite relevant here yeah do we need to set up an let's say an institution or can this be done at an individual level can you or i see our children and uh, okay i'm gonna you know teach them some leadership skills from their childhood yeah or maybe you could identify them if they are coming naturally that, that's or actually maybe
0: gotta, we, yep.
1: yeah you could encourage your kids to mm-hmm. become leaders
0: that's actually a valid point because I mean if you look at it today we are we as a generation we are raised to be conformists weren't we
1: oh well probably at the risk of getting a punishment a physical punishment
0: yep but we became rebels ultimately because that's the way the world turned.
1: Yeah, because we grew grew up in the age of internet, and uh, we had access to a lot of information and different lifestyles and, and everything. So we will
0: we weigh things
1: around and adopt what's what's better for us.
0: Yep, and ultimately the guardians of uh, culture, uh, strong traditional values, and whatever other uh, Bollywood euphemisms they use to uh, hide the fact that it's all you know suppression of the intellect. Um they actually had to give up because for them, it was like trying to restrain the ocean. They just couldn't do it.
1: Well, well of course they can't. And uh, the generation gap has grown so much that uh, our parents' generation grew up with, um, at the maximum radios. Hmm,
0: hmm.
1: And, and we, we grew up with our own personal cell phones.
0: Yep. Today, we have more information available at our fingertips through the phones than the president of the USA did 15 years back. Uh,
1: Well, he probably had more information that could be classified thousand years later. So we don't (laughs) know for sure.
0: Yep. But the thing is that in today's time, we don't seem to be progressing. We are regressing actually as a community. And the first thing which I noticed was that, you know, it's, it seems to be hypocrisy that you're given all these opportunities to train leaders, to make your own kids into leaders, but ultimately you just make them into followers. Now, not everyone is going to be a leader. Everyone who walks out with a political degree does not become the prime minister.
1: No, doesn't everybody who's got a business degree doesn't become a successful businessman, no.
0: Yep, but the fact is that if they know the fundamentals, they confirm to the fundamentals, you have this wide pool of talent with different experiences which you can rely on. And I mean, like, look at it historically. Noab Kapoor Singh basically used to be what? He used to be a stable boy. He used to, you know, uh, shovel the dung off the Sikhs' horses, the Khalsa's horses, when they were living in the jungles. And, you know, as the event runs, uh, that proposal, uh, peace proposal, which was really uh, sort of a murderous plot made by Zakaria to bring the Sikhs out into the open, was brought over to the Sikhs they sort of uh, discussed it among themselves and decided they needed to choose a Nwab governor, but one who wasn't an autocrat, and they chose Nwab Kapoor. Now, anyone else could also have been chosen, but the fact is that because it was so cavalier, it was so on the spot, like so rudimentary, you need to imagine how trained Sikh children must have been back then that they had such a wide pool of talent available and they decided that, well, you know, he uh, shovels dung, but at least he's got the brains for the job. He's ide- ideologically committed. Let's try him. And that's another thing that he never failed in what he did. But you don't see that spirit in us today. Rather, we are telling the kids to be doctors and engineers, but never to go towards the field of policy making, where they can influence something. And if we had a whole pull of that talent available, right? Like you know, doesn't mean that everyone with a political degree needs to go into politics. But hey, if one fails, you have someone else you can rely on. And I have this vision where, you know, you got all these kids who become the politicians of tomorrow. They're on the left wing. They're on the right wing. But, you know, despite the differences in their political approaches, they're actually working for the benefit of the community.
1: Okay. uh, Let's discuss an example. Yep. Let's assume that uh, in 10 years from now, hmm. there is a Sikh business now, let's say. Yes. Or an industrial industrialist, anybody, maybe a scientist or something, male yeah. or female. Yes. And uh, that person is filthy rich through business, through patents, through invention, whatever. Yes. Can that person dedicate his or her resources towards the betterment of the Sikh nation, either through charity or setting up institutions or whatever. Mm, mm. So that's the first part of my point. Mm. Do we as people have that eye to identify a good leader and have the guts to abandon abandon him or her if he or she deviates away from the target.
0: I don't know about the future. I'll be honest. I have no idea what the future will be like, but I can say that the current generation today, you see it in Gurdwara politics all the time. Like I told you my personal tale that we had the langar and they decided that, you know, we were a bit too smart for them. So they cancelled our one to do it for, uh, you know, allow international students to do their ones because those international students weren't as uh, savvy with their tricks So each student got uh, robbed more than, uh, you know, they ended up spending more like it was daylight robbery than they should have, you know, and just to fill the committee members' uh, coffers, their wallets. And the aspect down there was the thing I noted then, even in Gurdwara politics at the time, because it was quite a massive cry about that. The committee members just kept on saying this as a sort of excuse to me that uh, we couldn't have, you know, displeased displeased them. We couldn't have displeased them. We couldn't have displeased them. And our community has a problem with the older generation. You can't make anyone uh, sad. You can't make them displeased. They fear to offend someone through the truth.
1: That's a very important point. Uh, Okay. I was actually uh, listening to a philosopher uh, on on YouTube a few, few years ago. Yep. I used to listen to a lot of that stuff. If you are afraid of disagreement, you cannot be a good provider. Do you agree?
0: Yes, I agree 100%. I mean, look at the Sikh gurus. They disagreed, didn't they?
1: Well, well they disagreed with a lot of things. They, uh, yeah, a lot of things. Yes. They also destroyed, destroyed a lot of traditions and they also destroyed the Sharda of millions.
0: Yep. Baba Nanak disagreed with Hinduism, Baba Nanak disagreed with the Vedas, Upanishads, Gita, he disagreed with the Quran, Islam, Christianity, Bible, he disagreed with quite a lot. We should be taking those examples from his life and not in the religious spectrum. I mean, he disagreed with the Rajput kings, uh, the Mughal emperors, you know, he built Kartarpur and it was all built on the fact that we need to do what is right for the people rather than, you know, I can't displease him, I can't displease him, I can't displease her. Just look at that uh, spirit. That spirit is lacking in today's seats. I mean, look at, in politics, you can never get 100% consensus. In life, you will never get 100% consensus. The only 100% consensus you can ever get is probably in the graveyard. But when someone like Master Tara Singh or, you know, even uh, currently today Jacinda Arden, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, or, you know, I don't know her name now, the Prime Minister of Taiwan, when they stand up and say, we're going to build a government of consensus, we want to invite the opposition into other coalition, blah, blah, blah. You're like, what the hell are you people trying to get it? You need to do what is right rather than uh, what makes you look good. And that's the problem of Sikh leadership today. They do not want to offend anyone. They just want to, you know, carry on getting their uh, bale bale pat on the back.
1: It's the same thing that the, the point emerges. They mm. say, uh,
0: I mean, look, for them, Larai is a stereotypical, uh, you know, take the kirpan from the tabia and, you know, smash it into someone's head. And I'm telling you, they do it. They do it all the time. We, we, we have seen Gurdwara fights in our times. They're all hypocrites, bunch of liars, but... That vichar, you know, that vichar is sort of an imposition because they know the person who speaks the truth, he needs to be quelled, he needs to be suppressed. So vichar is just a way of, you know, uh, 10, 11 people to gang up on the one guy and sort of convince him to stay quiet, suppress his voice.
1: Yep, that's true. And uh, another simple point. Gurdwara politics actually pushes away the new generation away from Sikhi. Agree? Disagree?
0: Yes, agreed. 101% agreed.
1: Very simple observation, very simple point.
0: Err, mm-hmm. Gurdwara had the same issue. Uh, Pantpreet Singh came and did Prachar. Everyone uh, liked it. It was quite good. He uh, explained the, you know, translate Gurbani through Gurbani principle. Day later, someone else came who opposed him. He did a completely different Prachar. And again, the question was, uh, you know, raised to the committee that why can't you guys have consistency in what you do? Same story. Uh, Well, you know, we can't, you know, make them angry. We can't make them angry. And it's all about their own benefit at the end. So if we are saying we need our kids to be leaders, we want our children to be leaders, at least make them selfless or at least make them uh, prudent enough in life to be at that position, where they can say, look, we don't want any more financial benefit. we got enough money as it is. We will do something that is good for the community. Stuff your money. We don't want any of it. Get lost if you have to.
1: So talking about the uh, earlier point, hmm. Gurdwara should, shouldn't should have displeased anybody and he should have accepted the DNA.
0: Well, I mean, that's uh, Gurdwara committee member logic. Actually, that's <laughs> a, that that's a logic of a lot of the... Snowflake. I mean, you can call them whatever you want, but the real name which actually sticks, which makes sense to me, is the Dilsaf Jatha. That's the Dilsav Jatha conundrum. They can't erase the history, they can't deny the history, so they do the next best thing, they just try to dismiss it. Oh no, maybe the Pandit in question was uh, stereotyping that Janu or Baba wasn't ready to accept it yet. That's the Dilsav Jatha philosophy that Baba Nanak should have refused it and not hurt someone's feelings.
1: Yeah, you just need to be a good human being, and that's it. Yeah,
0: this this feelings thing pisses me off. I'm seriously telling you the truth. This one makes me mad. It's the only thing which pushes my buttons. You know, when we're in the Gurdwara, we have these debates and we are sitting and discussing matters, and it becomes oh, well, you know, everyone has God in them, you can't hurt their feelings. Well, uh, uh they,
1: uh, I think there was 2008 election when Obama won. Yes. So I was still in school and and uh, I was reading about that, how people who are generally older, mm. they vote Republican. Yes. But younger people were more Democrats. hmm So people who had limited or no life experience voted based on their feelings.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah? Yes.
1: And people who had lived through a few things, who you know knew how things work, they yep. were more about, uh, I want to pay less taxes, less regulation, and whatever, the traditional Republican standpoint, yeah?
0: Yes, yes.
1: They, they voted more Republican. Hmm. So In the very same way, since I'm getting old now, well, every second I'm getting old. Yep. The ideas which seemed outdated to me personally, Hmm. Sometimes you think, well, maybe they're not that bad at all.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Maybe, maybe Sikhs should marry only Sikhs. Maybe. Mm
2: -hmm. Maybe,
1: maybe what I thought was free, it's actually feral.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I want to be free, but that's a euphemism of I want to be feral. No responsibilities absolved of everything. I'm a free, I I just want freedom. Mm,
2: Hmm. Hmm.
1: Yeah. So a a few points and uh, the point of leadership comes into this because a leader is ultimately responsible for everything he or she starts or is part of.
0: A leader isn't free.
1: No, can't be. Can't be. Yes. And uh, a leader cannot have a personal agenda.
0: No, they can't.
1: Uh, and a, a leader should be, or well, out to be, ready to sacrifice a lot or everything for the sake of the cause.
0: Mm. I mean, you know, when Guru Teegabad, when Mata Gujri gave birth to Guru Gobind Singh Ji, you know, young Gobind I'm sure the Guru, uh, Guru Teegabad, there wouldn't have you know molly coddled him like we do to our kids today. He he would have given him some sense of responsibility from his formative years. You know, young Gobind Rai, as he grew out of adolescence before his father's martyrdom, he would have been given responsibilities. And it was natural at that time. But even now we see it. Children who are given responsibilities when they are young, they on the most they grow up into, you know, disciplined people who can take care of themselves. They're in you know independent individuals. They make the decisions in their own lives rather than letting someone else do it for them. You know, unfortunately today, we are running away from this concept of giving the kids responsibilities. We're just trying to raise them like, you know, these are, uh, how would you say it? Like these, you know, dollar 10 uh, psychological self-help self help books describe at the bookstore that don't give your kids responsibilities, let them watch TV, they need toys, blah, 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 blah keep your kids close, I mean, you need to understand that one day, one day these kids will be thrust out into the world all alone. So it's better to give them a sense of responsibility, make them independent, make them, you know, autonomous individuals who can lead themselves and lead others rather than make them dependent on someone else their entire life.
1: Do you think the state wants people who are responsible or people who are irresponsible?
0: As far as I can see, the welfare state loves the responsibility
1: because so there, yep. So there is no point there is, uh, that a state or the modern version of the welfare state would want the children to become leaders or become responsible human beings in general.
0: Well, look at it this way I mean, if you look at the socialist state, because this is something the world has been caught into socialism and neoliberalism, it's the left versus the right because conservatism is sort of, you know, being pushed out. It's a, it's an unholy truth, but it is there. But at the end of the day, somewhere deep-seated in, so, in a socialist's mind, in a socialist leader's mind, is the fact that, you know, if they're helping people, those people then are under a regulation that they should only be helping socialism and nothing else, even at the expense of their own quality of life.
1: Well, uh, I think the, the, this this coronavirus pandemic is going to bring massive, massive social changes in the society,
0: and that's, and that's why I'm saying that you know, we are Sikhs. There was a time when our children used to, you know, when a father died fighting in you know the multiple wars we had with the Mughals, Hindus, and Afghans, a son or a daughter would take over instantly as a leader of the family unit. Or as a leader yep. of the jata, as a leader of the Banta, whatever. Today, we need that same spirit, except those kids need to be ready to enter the political field wherever they are, from top to bottom, or from bottom to top, whichever way you want to see it. They should know, they should actually feel they need responsibility in their life to grow. They should be ready to take on responsibility and lead others. Otherwise, we will still be crying about being marginalized even in the future and it's going to get worse. It's going to get 101% worse.
1: Okay. Uh, connected to the, 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 the topic is uh, I have this feeling Yes. Especially in the West. Yes. If we fail to have good leadership or a good leader, a good yes. Sikh leader yes. in the West, Yes, we are at the risk of losing our entire identity within two generations.
0: You, you got a strong point down there. You got a strong point. And another thing is that the way the West is going today, love it or hate it, there is this uh, sentiment on the streets that if they're actually coming over to our countries, they need to be 101% like us. They need to relinquish their own identity to become, you know, synonymous with us it's like a kill the seek leave the men like you know what they used to say about native americans kill the indian let the man live you know ju- i'm just clarifying this that they're native americans in case one of these uh, what do you call them bhakt types are listening to this you know and they get a sound bit and start saying that are oh, they're saying kill the indian and leave <laughs> let the man survive
1: well it can be twisted in any way here yeah, but uh, i i get your point this is the point because uh, okay. In my observation, they are, are. I've seen a lot of things. We, both, of course, are grew up in yeah.
0: Yes.
1: So, the, the generation that left Punjab, yes, will probably have a, a turban, probably the Samosa type turban. Yes. The, the next generation barely spoke Punjabi. The second generation was the first generation to be born overseas. Yes. And the grandchildren, the third generation, no Punjabi, no Sikhi pure coconuts brown outside white inside
2: mm-hmm
1: so uh, those people the, the third generations they were going to get married to anybody they want probably if, if they live in Canada or America probably whites or probably blacks or anybody they wanted mm-hmm so within three generations their entire identity had been diluted to zero
2: mm-hmm
1: yeah Yes. I've seen this. I've seen this. I've seen children of Amrathari, old Sikhs, grandchildren wearing crosses and having their tattoos just totally abandon their identity and culture. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Yes. So
1: so by giving this, this example, I'm trying to make a point that if we don't have strong leadership, people won't gather around that leader.
0: And you know, will have
1: no sense of pride in your identity, and uh, people will willfully abandon it.
0: Yes, and that leadership needs to be localized. It needs to come from the pool of Sikhs who are already there, who are conversant with uh, what the you know fact is the pressures in that society. Uh, If you're thinking you get a Punjabi, uh, I don't know, religious figure and uh, bring them over to the USA and make them citizens. And then, you know, tell them, oh, you need to leave the com here now in America. That's just shooting yourself in the foot.
1: Well, I, I, I honestly believe that anything from the religious side should be totally discarded in today's age.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You will th- simply say we are the, the members of the Sikh nation.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Do your religious duty, whatever that is. But politics and religion are different things. Society and religion are different things. Well, Society mean, exists, religion is secondary.
0: Yes, because as we discussed in the Midi-Pidi uh, episode last time, Midi is synonymous with truth, Pedia is synonymous uh, synonymous with the morality which arises out of the truth. So when you're trying to say that medi PD actually means uh, religion and politics are one, you're actually conflating the truth, aren't you? You're confounding the truth when really it should be that if you're a religious person, you're a moral person, who has the truth guiding them and that truth should be you know reflected in your life whether you're a politician a doctor or whatever at the end of the day you know so to say that it's your religious identity that gives the impression that you're trying to establish a theocratic state where uh, you know being a nonconformist not believing in the faith you envision to be perfect is akin to treason against the state we are, yep. we, that is, we are, that is true. We are couching it in self-defeatist logic. We're shooting ourselves in the foot. We are ignoring the fundamentals to present some, you know, embellished, self-made, macho perspective of ourselves, which at the end of the day is only leading us to our doom.
1: It is leading us to our doom. And, uh, well, discussing further. Yes. As per our today's topic, how to raise children is something we need to discuss, and I know absolutely nothing about it.
0: Same here, but what I can see from my childhood, our generation's childhood, children need to be given a responsibility, but at the end of the day, they also need to be set free. Otherwise, I mean, what is the culture we are following? Some stupid mixture of Indian slash Punjabi hybridism?
1: Not even that. Uh, I would say it was just traditions, so-called traditions, that were on the verge of extinction, but were kept as tradition because that's our identity, that's our culture.
0: Hmm. We, we have the Dilsaf crew running around arguing that when a woman fasts for her husband, it's a sign of love. And then when someone like us, uh, someone like us asks, well, why the hell don't you lot, you know, let husbands fast for their wives? Oh, it's going to hurt someone's feelings. Oh, you know, that picture of Baba Nanak with the Rakari. Oh, Rakari is a sign of love. So what if someone made that picture after Baba Nanak? It's okay. He would have done it if he was alive today. uh,
1: (laughs) There is actually uh, uh, a very different point that we'll discuss after this podcast. I think that might be a topic in in, in the future. That's very related to it. And... uh, I have been reading about uh, the social changes in the Roman society that led to the implosion of the empire. Yep. And let me tell you, it's so interesting. And you can easily draw modern parallels from it very easily.
0: Mm-hmm. See, now, in Punjabi families, you know, when uh, the uncles or the aunties, you know, when they listen to that, you know, or the grandparents listen to that, you uh, one, uh, you know, uh, one pracharak on TV, and now it's December, everyone's focusing on the Saib and they'll be like, uh, just Sunday Nyanis Saib Zadea Varge Hunde. Now, this is something I'm going to say in Punjabi that Jethon Nyanis Saib Zadea Varge Chaydea to Zip Mapiobi Guru Gobinsing Varge Banach idea. Dada, Dadibi Mata Gujri the Guru Tegaba Bungar Banach idea. Correct, Banne idea, uh.
1: But, but I think you would agree that in, in the modern world where we are more individualistic, you you could simply say that there is a possibility that today you could simply say, okay, I'm very different. I am what I am. This is my identity. These are my people. This is my ideology. I would work towards it. And you might become very good at it.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. But then at the other end of the spectrum, you need to keep those ideals alive. It's It's the sense of hypocrisy, you know, there's uh, another thing which keeps on killing the kids and it's related to what I'm saying is that the ideals down here which Guru Gobind Singh had in his life, truth, commitment to the truth, you know, uh, acting, not acting, I would say imbibing true leadership qualities. How many Punjabi parents do that today?
1: Mm, and they, Probably two two out of hundred.
0: And they expect their kids, all of them expect their kids to be independent like the Sahib jathas. And if the children turn around and share that spirit once and ask that... Uh, Daddy, if you got a kirpan on you, then why do you drink alcohol every night by taking off the kirpan? Then it becomes the two upne pioga No, uh,
1: there's a, a a very famous dialogue. Well, very widely spoken. You simply say sardano
0: And this other thing which has a uh, completely uh, mentally idled our kids, which has driven them away further from the family unit, you know, from their families is this that uh Every time something goes wrong, the child is blamed. And uh, this is what is said. So when the child becomes independent later in life, gets married or, you know, gets a good job and turns around and says, okay, so you guys didn't want me then. Then they're out on the streets, (laughs) the parents crying that, you know, no, no, no. There is this, uh,
1: this trend, I would say, a cultural trend that uh, my child, is my insurance policy is going to take care of me when, it, when I get old. That,
0: that That's right. It's just that's a cool. retirement policy, isn't it? You're making a kid for a retirement yeah. policy and that's why these kids are being marginalised and being shoved around like litter on the streets of the West and the East.
1: And uh, I would say that uh, a kid... It's my my responsibility because I know nothing about child raising because I'm not a father. I, I don't. I'm not a family man. I'm not married, mm. so I no, know nothing about it. But I could say that uh, a child. It is my responsibility that my child grows up to be a, a good human being and a good citizen of the country. Yeah. hmm
0: But then, alongside, the- I, I do yeah. not
1: see him or her as the cane of my my old age.
0: Mm. See, alongside the citizenship fact, you need to teach them to stand up for, you know, the right and the wrong.
1: Kids are not my responsibility, not my asset.
0: Yep, the first thing you need to teach them is he who dares not offend cannot tell the truth.
1: Yeah, of course, yep.
0: And, and that's why you need to make them independent in life. Give them a sense of responsibility. You know, life is full of duk and suk. This is what Gurbani says. You're always going to get duk, You're always going to get suck. There is no miracle cure for it. You just need to grow alongside both of them. And this is something you need to tell the kids that, you know, this is life. This is what it is. Make out of it what you want to. That's what our faith, that's what Sikhi says. And set them on the path to individualism. You know, growing as individuals, growing as leaders. The only effective leader, in my opinion, after reading history, after studying history, is the one who has lived life on their own terms, who has uh, wrestled with life's ups and downs, its sudden impulsive turns. That's a true leader who can withstand the uh, trials and tribulations of life. Our kids can't do it, can they? We are raising them to be softies. And I'm not saying that just because some Pracharik says a Focus on mental uh, brain power and democracy, we should be up in arms about it. That we should, you know, just dress the kids up as Nehangs and tell them to keep AK 47 with them 24 7. But what I'm saying is that the kids need to be, you know, firmly made. You know, they need to be told that this is life, make out of it what you will, and then go and live that life on your own terms. No one's going to hold your arm forever.
1: If, if in the future my kid comes home as a cosplayer, <laughs> I'll probably probably send him, send them for a, a simple, for the mental asylum.
0: Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I mean, we're giving them this wrong impression of sickki. you know if if we feel that some leadership, some leader made a mistake, sit down with your kids and tell them this is my perception, you form your own perception. Tell me what you think. This is what Gurbani said, this is what that leader ended up doing. Tell me what you think. Let the kids decide for themselves. Today, we see, I decided to accept Sikhi later in my life because I had to question Sikhi first to understand it. I was born as a Sikh. I was born into a Sikh family. But only when I started questioning it, asking the pointed questions, that I finally came to understand it. Today, we are telling the kids not to question Sikhi. Do you know why? Because we ourselves are weak in Sikhi we feel that if they ask that question which we don't know the answer to we will be left screaming for the rest of our lives
1: that's the way it is and uh i think you would agree with with me if i say or when i say that we actually don't have a culture of having conversation with our own kids
0: we don't with the kids are a retirement policy or insurance policy
1: yeah you you will really find a father or a mother sitting with uh, their children and having conversations on different topics. I've never, I've never seen this.
0: No, nope, same here.
1: No, no, never. If 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 I were to talk to my children about any serious topic, it could be business, it could be their studies, it could be personal life, it could be relationships, or whatever. Yep. I think that would be much much healthier. For, for the society in general, and for us as Sikhs, to become, how do you say, more entrenched in our well, not entrenched, stronger in our beliefs, and uh, just have a healthy Sikh nation, a healthy Sikh society. See, talk to your own, own children. Yeah.
0: Just as you were telling yeah. this, just as you were telling me this, I received a message on Facebook, and here's what the message says from one of the listeners. How many Punjabi uh, Sikh families do you know where the parents have the birds and bees talks with the
1: kids? Uh, the birds and bees uh, is quite popular in Punjabi. That's delivered through hardcore Punjabi swear words.
0: <laughs> and that's pretty much it. That's the extent of that conversation.
1: <laughs> pretty much. Well, well, that's the point I'm trying to make. Mm. Can, you, can you tell your 16-year-old son or daughter... Mm have a conversation with them that you are nearly an adult now, just two years. Yes. So you're going to become fully responsible for your life.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Ask them, what are you going to do? What are your plans? What do you seek from life? Never. never. It's just, have you done your homework? Have Have you done this show? do this, do this, just command.
0: Mm. We are our own children's worst enemies. That's one thing I've an oh, opinion on.
1: Yep, uh, that is true. Or you could simply say that probably take your kids on a hike or something. P- probably take them on a picnic. Mm. Eat some good food, listen to some good music, probably do some activities, swimming or whatever you're into. And then relax and have good conversation with your own kids this in this way your own kids would trust you mm. they wouldn't hide things from you mm. this builds trust
2: mm. yeah yep yep
1: and, and and in this way they could be more proud of their identity
2: mm-hmm.
1: if if a kid dislikes his parents he might dislike the identity of the parents too as well.
0: It happens in the West where there is more diversity. It surely happens in the West. Kids who end up uh, feeling ostracized or alienated against their own parents, from their own parents, they will end up relinquishing Sicky. That's my uh, opinion. That's my observation. They will end up surrendering Sicky, because really they will uh, associate it with the hypocrisy which their parents practice. 100%. and, and,
1: that's my point, because I, I've seen plenty of times, uh, I, I've seen uh, girls in my in my class, the schools, they would simply say, I, I would never marry a Sardar. Mm, mm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Why is that? Because all they have seen is the, the, the previous generation who were largely Sardars being kind of unproductive, not having any guts or something.
2: Mm,
1: mm, mm. I'm not, I'm, try, I'm. deliberately trying to not use the correct word here, the correct, correct vocabulary because that, that might be a bit, a bit of offensive mm, mm. so a, a Sardar person doesn't imbibe. it doesn't shine confidence and courage
0: no, obviously not, I mean you saw my uh, video yesterday, the uh, gun disarmament yep, yep, yep now the, the, the comments underneath uh, from uh, you know certain uh, members, certain distant relatives, was that this is useless in life. You need to uh, focus on the intellectual side of things. So what they want you to do is be a boor. You have a seven-plated uh, turban. You have glasses. You have a car. You have a fat stomach. And you're eating a smosa and drinking a coffee every morning. And that's their picture of success. They are trying to kill the masculinity among the boys and the femininity among the girls. Sort of, you know, imposing these uh, binary structures on both to say that girls are only good for getting pregnant and boys are only good for making them pregnant. That's all there is to life. That's all they're trying to say. Except when you get that rebel who lives life on his own terms, and I'm not saying I'm a rebel that I live life on my own terms before everyone starts following me. When you get someone like that who turns their world upside down, then they're the first ones telling their kids that, you know, stay away from him. He will corrupt you. But those rebels are the leaders of tomorrow. If you listen to those rebels, those rebels will get us everywhere. Not, uh, you know, little Dinko with his uh, My Little Pony lunchbox and his, uh, you know, reliance on mum even when he's uh, 37 years old with four kids of his own.
1: Well, you make a good point here because we have discussed it earlier that how there are not many Sikhs in arts and cultures and humanities.
0: Mm -hmm. But even more pressing is the fact that whenever you get a Sikh leader in the West, the whole community goes crazy about it. It just goes to show you that we don't have so many leaders, so many effective leaders that we need to celebrate the few who come out. We need more leaders. We need our voices to be heard. These children of ours should be made the leaders of tomorrow. I mean, we are waiting for leaders to, you know, fall down from the sky. It doesn't happen like that. You need to establish systems where they are produced. Noab Kapoor Singh was a product of such a system. Guru Gobind Singh was a product of such a system. And now we don't have that system. Well, then, you know, like that uh, quote I gave you from Thomas Paine, he who dares not offend cannot tell the truth. We are raising our kids to be conformists who can't even look you in the eye to tell you a lie. That's how worse the situation has got.
1: Well, it has become that worse indeed. I would 100% agree with you there. And also, uh, do we have any habit of questioning the leader? Do do we have any any infrastructure of keeping the leader in line?
0: Nope, nothing.
1: Nothing. So we, we are to follow them and to follow them blindly without asking questions. Because Mm -hmm.
0: if
1: if you know it, do it yourself.
0: See, here's an incident which uh, my grandfather used to, uh, you know, uh, relate. And uh, our ancestors were actually, you know, among the missiles. And he was saying that uh, at one of the Sarbat Khalsas, Jasa Singh Alwalia stood up to address the crowds, and he had a black beard. Initially, his beard was gray, but he had dyed it. So when he stood up, he addressed the crowd, sat down and then one of the lower uh, dars stood up and he said, well, look, I'm not going to say anything against, you know, the office of Jatedar. But one of the things which, you know, the Panth has agreed upon is that if you're Amritdari, you can't dye your beard. Now, I know why we can't or cannot. That's, you know, pretty much a topic for another time. But what he said was that we can't dye our beards. And if the person whose jathedar is supposed to uh, reflect the highest office of the Pant, he's the voice of the Pant, he needs to abide by what the Panth has agreed upon. How can Baba Jasa Walia still keep on claiming to be a jathedar when he has dyed his beard, which is against the Pant's uh, accepted maryada? And at that time, a majority of the people gathered there said to Jasa Sengalualia that, you know, make whatever decision, whatever policy you need to, and then go And uh, they gave him a penalty that he had to undergo, that penalty for dyeing his beard. Later, when Maharaja Ranjit Singh came along and they had that uh, sort of a clash with the Kalipula Singh over him marrying a dancer, he dismantled those systems where you could uh, criticize the leadership. And even today, we have that existing among us.
1: That thing exists, and uh, well, uh, in my understanding, uh, inducing, <clears throat> the incident of Akali Phulasing punishing or inducing was actually done to strengthen the system of Jatadari. Mm, mm, mm. it's, it, it, it's it's the it's the very old tyranny, an agreement of tyranny between the priest and the emperor.
2: Mm, mm.
0: So ultimately, yep. at the of- that, that's the way I ask. So ultimately, at the end of the day, the times which are coming for the Sikhs in the future will be, for everyone, not Sikhs alone, will be grim, globally. And we need, Turbulent. To, yep. we need to start training a future generation of leaders now because we are our own children's worst enemies. We need to become their best resolute allies. We need to start training them for the future to represent us politically. I mean, there are two forms of diplomacy. Not just yep. not
1: just not just politically because politicians can be controlled or can they, they, they can be forced by unseen or hidden forces that that happens all the time mm-hmm.
2: yeah
1: but in every field of leadership financial political art do you know how much power hollywood has over the world oh, yeah. how much influence they have yeah
0: yeah the soft americanism we can see that
1: yeah soft power you could see kids in almost every country in the world wearing t shirts of American universities.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. So, essentially oh, we need to make it, for, for,
1: yep. for okay, for us in New Zealand, you have this real thing that, it, that the new generation which grew up on TV sounds more American and they are losing the traditional Kiwi slang because they use American words because they listen to American music, yep. American videos, American YouTube. And everything they see and watch on TV is American. They they have started to sound American and they have started to lose their Kiwi dialect.
0: Mm-hmm. We need to make the kids, the future generation of Sikhs, leaders in each and every field which matters, which wilds influence and which inspires.
1: Which inspire. And that is the need of the hour. We don't need bigger Gurdwaras. We don't need more fancy langars. No, we, do, we don't need... Uh, a with a million dollars in his bank, mm. no, well, not not million, multi-million.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You you simply say I'm a Sikh, this is my identity. I, I need to be, I need to protect my identity. I need to be more helpful for my people. And what should I do? Maybe I should con- contribute through my art. Maybe I, I should contribute through my business. Maybe I sh- I, I could contribute through my political career, mm. or maybe I could serve as a source of inspiration for the others.
0: Mm. And and stay united, form a block.
1: Yep, form a block of probably form a lobby group to begin with. Mm-hmm.
0: And do not fear to tell the truth.
1: And do not fear to oppose your own, to disagree with your own. Mm. Probably, I, I can't say my brother is a leader, so everything he does is 100% correct. Mm. If, he does, if he does something that's, uh, I don't know, not uh, pragmatic I will simply point them out Mm,
0: mm, mm, mm. do not rely on
1: religiosity
0: that you know anyone religious will be a perfect leader look for leaders all over set up a system to identify those leaders and train them for the future otherwise we will keep on crying as we are crying
1: now yep and the Kassan the farmer protest is a popular example of this. It is,
0: how, how many protests have we done? Like, I mean, look at it. Like, someday someone somewhere is going to ask, How is it that there are these people who always keep on protesting? Why don't they just get into the leadership field and start changing stuff?
1: Well, uh, we have discussed uh, in the beginning of this podcast.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We, we deliberately chose not to become the part of the state we deliberately chose not to partake in the policy making process mm-hmm. we chose that mm-hmm. we told our children mm-hmm. yeah yep so we chose to not understand the political structure of the country. We deliberately chose not to become a part of it, and now we are complaining that uh, the policies are against us.
0: And this is in all countries, really, Uh, isn't it?
1: Absolutely unimaginable situation. Mm. How could it happen?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And this is in all countries, isn't it?
1: Uh, You could say, well, uh, uh, there was a ray of hope from Canada Mm. You Could say that there were, there were quite a few Sikh member parliaments, and you know, you know, but uh, they haven't been able to impress me at least.
0: <laughs> oh, well, until next time, then, thank you for joining us.